Well, good morning. Uh, along with Pastor Mike, I welcome you to worship this morning and ask you to turn with me in your Bibles or one of the few Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, that's going to be on page 819 if you're using one of the few Bibles. Now, we'll be exploring the last three parables that Jesus shares in Matthew 13, beginning at verse 44, in which Christ highlights the profound value of his kingdom with applications for each of us to treasure him and his kingdom in our hearts. Now, most of the treasures of my life involve family and friends in treasurable moments uh, in very unique environments, uh, circumstances that I think I will always treasure and never take for granted. There's the treasure of being with my father and mother on the night that they came to Christ on a family vacation when all I had to share were scriptures from the Navigator Scripture memory system and the blessing of the Spirit. There's the treasure of my wife and son's response when they saw their first wild giraffe and water buffalo on the horizon of the Masai Mara uh, at the close of the mission trip to Uganda and Kenya. There's a treasure of standing at the helm of a sailboat in a nor'easter storm with the wind and waves turning our vessel 180 degrees around in a matter of seconds. And then there's also the treasure with my family on the Sea of Galilee where we really were able to ponder the ministry of Jesus that occurred on the very shores all around us. And yet the scriptures today, we see Jesus calling us to treasure our relationship with him and life within his kingdom each and every day because of the extreme value of Christ's kingdom for us to enjoy. And so one penetrating question for us this day, with joyful hearts, what are we willing to sacrifice for our relationship with Jesus and life in his kingdom? This is the reading of God's Word, Matthew 13, verses 44 to 50. Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, give us grace each moment to draw our life from you, to walk in your steps, to enjoy fellowship with our Savior and with each other in the kingdom of your Son. As we now give attention to your word, please open the eyes of our heart to behold the wonders of your love, Holy Spirit, pour out light upon these words which you caused to be inspired and write them upon our hearts. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Now in much of the United States today, many seem to be glad to embrace elements of the Christian faith in their lives. 
However, many do so as long as they do not have to abandon their priorities and their desires, the little g-gods that are interwoven with their culture and personal aspirations. In essence, many people today who call themselves Christian appear to consider Christ to be an addition, not central to life. For believers who yield to Christ as presented in the Bible, this mindset becomes a little puzzling. Because many who want to make Christ central to live without Christ being the center of life are right about one thing, even though they may not grasp the meaning of their position. Here it is. To become a follower of Jesus Christ, as the Bible teaches, is to abandon one's own life, to crucify to oneself one's own ambitions, and to face whatever reprisals come his way or her way for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Following Jesus, according to Scripture, is costly. The world objects to such costliness and personal abandonment, choosing instead a Christianity that lacks Christ as prophet, priest, and king. And as a prophet, Jesus delivers the final word to us from the Lord. As priest, he's the only mediator between us and God, who is holy and just. And as king, he reigns as Lord of all that live within his kingdom and even without Such seeking and acquiring of Christ and His kingdom rule may put us at odds with the things and relationships we formerly would hold as dear. It certainly puts us into contention with the spirit of this age. Yet there is no hesitation on the part of Jesus Christ to demand everything of us for the sake of knowing Him. Those that will venture all for Christ discover Him as a treasure far more valuable than the entire world. So we actually have a couple of more questions. Do you know as your own treasure Jesus Christ? Do you yield to Him as your first and reigning priority? And in our verses this morning, it starts with discovering the kingdom. Now, the first two parables before us picture two different people with different interests and aims in finding the priceless treasure of the gospel itself. These are kingdom parables to help us grasp what it means to live consciously under the reign of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer and as our King. They describe what it's like to discover the reality of the gospel and the gospel of Jesus Christ and to respond with overwhelming joy. Now, I find these little parables to be essential for our day when many things compete for our hearts. We can claim to be Christian yet live as though Christ is secondary or less in life. The challenge from Jesus in these parables is his call for Christ to be the great treasure of everything that we are and everything that we do. But look at these two parables, the first two. First, for those that do not know Christ or who strain from embracing Him, I want you to please hear the absolute value of knowing Him in the Scripture as redeeming, Redeemer and Lord. But listen to this discovery yet in different ways. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. 
Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Notice that the first discovery came as it appears by sheer accident. This man was not hunting for buried treasure. He just happened to be in a field. Maybe he was walking through the field heading to another place or maybe he was a worker in the field. His aim was not to discover treasure. But one day, oh, one day, his eye catches an object unfamiliar to him. He digs away the topsoil and before his eyes is something unbelievable. It's treasure. He had heard of people burying treasures in the fields of Palestine to hide it from the bands of raiders through the centuries. And this was common in Palestine in Jesus' day. But this particular person never thought to find such a treasure, especially by stumbling upon it. It all happened so quickly. He wastes no time, though, to sell all that he has to purchase the field so that the treasure would be his. The next man is a pearl merchant. It's quite different. He knows pearls. That is his business. But he is never satisfied with the pearls that he has found. They have luster and depth to a degree, yet none of them have so arrested his attention that he is satisfied. He hopes to find the one pearl that distinguishes itself above all else he has ever seen. And so in a little out-of-the-way place, he spies a pearl that stops him in his track, tracks. And like the pearls before, this one is a rare find. He contains himself long enough to ask the price, not displaying the emotion that he feels and making such a remarkable discovery. He agrees to come back shortly with the full price asked of the pearl. He sells all that he has to buy this one pearl that a lifetime of seeking finally yields. Now think of these two stories to help us understand how so many of us have come to Jesus Christ in so many different ways. Both of these men are born again as they find the treasure, when they find the treasure. But one has no thought of faith and repentance. No concern for his sin. No look at eternity when he is arrested by the gospel of Jesus. And with that arrest, he wastes no time turning from his sin. He does not have to linger long or ponder for days. He knows that immediately he has found the answer to his existence and the hope for eternity in Christ. And he turns to his great treasure of Jesus. Others of us are on a different course in their conversion. They are seeking fine pearls. That is, they are in pursuit of something better and more grand than what they know that they now are experiencing. They may try one religion or philosophy or principle in life, but realize that their search has not ended. They may even follow the golden rule, but it will ultimately not satisfy the depths of our soul. They may obey the law, but do not find in obeying the law that it will satisfy the pains of the guilt of sin. They engage in various rituals and religious practices. They read the latest popular books for self-help, but nothing fills the void that aches in their life until 
they see Jesus Christ in the gospel. They have found the one pearl of great price as they live under his kingdom rule. And this was my story when at the age of 16, after spending 16 years in the church, I finally come to Jesus Christ. I'm also thankful for our embrace of God's covenant and his covenant family and listening to the testimonies from so many of our ninth graders and confirmation class. There are some who will say that I've always known Jesus. I've never really known a day apart from him. And what this simply means is that the new birth in their heart and their saving faith in Jesus Christ occurred at such an early age that they can't remember when they met Jesus. All these various ways that we come to the treasure of Christ and life with Him. Now when I say that, for certain, there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ alone. But coming to Christ might take different paths and experiences and circumstances, yet all yield the same treasure, Jesus Christ alone as Redeemer and King and life in His kingdom. Now from discovering the kingdom now, we see pursuing the prize in these verses. Now these first two parables point to the overwhelming desire to abandon all else for this one treasure of exceeding value. So the man that finds the treasure in the field, what does he do? In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. The pearl merchant, on finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. This is not... The impulsiveness of Ron buying a nice shirt that he sees as he walks through a store. This is not the impulsiveness of some whim. Yet it is the overwhelming desire, a desire that captures every thought and passion and focuses our hearts upon knowing Jesus Christ alone. So, dear family of God, Is the deepest compulsion of your soul to look to Jesus? To embrace Him as your own Lord? To yield everything about your life and future to Him? Do you remember the joy of that moment? No remorse in becoming a following of Christ. There is sheer joy that you are His and He is yours. Now there is a caveat, sidebar, just to be clear. We know from the testimony of God's Word that we do not buy our salvation. Simon the musician offered to buy God's grace in Acts chapter 8, and Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. For we know that the price of our redemption is the bloody death of our Savior, our substitute for our sins, the Lord Jesus Christ Upon the cross, there is no suggestion in these parables that we purchase salvation by some monetary exchange. Rather, these parables demonstrate the proper joyful response that is found in those who have heard the gospel and who have become kingdom citizens. 
Christ is showing us that our relationship to Him is so striking, so overwhelming that our joyful submission to Him is right on target. Now I realize that this joy may be a sticking point for some who have repeatedly heard the gospel but who have not joyfully responded. Some may think about other loves and other treasures, the things in which you've wrapped your life around. And you know that you need Christ. That is not even a question for you, but you cannot bear to lay aside the other things that have entranced your heart. What stands in the way of selling all out for Jesus? That's where these parables become very convicting to me. Is it pride? The desire to be noticed by the world? So the Scripture seems to call us consistently to lay our pride down at the cross. Is it your ambitions? Well, die to those ambitions at the cross. Is it some sin, some lust that has attached itself to you that eats away at your soul? Well, cry out to God for mercy that that sin you will be delivered from and follow after Jesus Christ. Is it your desire for things, a desire that multiplies in your mind and is never satisfied? Well, see the silliness of it. Those things will perish. Repent, turn to Jesus, and value Him as your treasure and as the desire of all your affections. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. See Him in His eternal majesty with the Father and the Holy Spirit. See Him as He is clothed in, with humanity for you. See Him bearing up under the devil's temptations in His life yet without sin. See Him weighed down with your sins at the cross. See Him isolated for the, from the Father's love and the embrace that He has become sin for you and for me. See Him though conquering death and the fear of death and the glorious resurrection. See Him as exalted as Lord of all. Focus your heart on mind on that treasure. Asking the Lord to give you eyes to see Him and His kingdom as more valuable than anything that you currently could possess this day. And then over the joy of such sight, abandon all for Jesus Christ as Lord. As the farmer discovered the treasure and the merchant found the pearl of great worth, O family, long to discover the kingdom, pursue the great prize, and third, understand the implications of this last parable, the parable of the net. Understanding the net. This is somewhat difficult. For the kingdom is distinct in its judgment. We've already encountered this subject in the judgment in the parable of the weeds that Jesus explains earlier in Matthew 13. It depicted the field as the world and the reality that under Christ's kingdom realm will be both sons of the kingdom and sons of the evil one. This is Jesus explaining the parable. Both lend up under his rule, one group with submission, the other with rebellion. Yet a day will come when the weeds will be gathered and thrown into the fire while the righteous will know the glory of the kingdom forevermore. Now the parable of the net is very similar. 
Many of the same words of Jesus appear yet again. It's for sinners on the certainty of divine judgment of Christ's kingdom rule. It does not emphasize the coexistence of the righteous and the unrighteous. Rather, the parable reveals the aim of the kingdom heading toward final judgment and ultimate perfection. Now, to say that this is an unpopular subject would be an understatement. We can discuss many biblical issues and not meet with great objection until we come to divine judgment and God's holy wrath. I love talking about our bodies being raised imperishable when Christ returns. Yet sometimes I do hesitate about speaking about what it means to be judged by a holy God. Yet Jesus spoke about judgment fairly frequently in the Gospels. In fact, it was one of his primary subjects that he addressed. For Christ's governance of the world as its creator and sustainer culminates in Him judging the living and the dead. All the nations will appear before Him as the eternal judge. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. The sufficiency of Jesus Christ as God's propitiation will give believers comfort and relief at judgment. That means that He has absorbed the wrath of God as He looks at sin in life. Yet those that have spurned the Gospel will surely discover the severity of a holy, holy, holy God. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea, gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but they threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. It's wonderful to know that within the kingdom there are fish of every kind. The implication is that kings that Christ's kingdom realm will be filled with different races and cultures and languages and nationalities. Glory be to God. It covers the globe and all of human history as Jesus Christ reigns as sovereign Lord over His creation. This is exciting. It calls all of us to share the gospel with our family, neighbors, and friends. To share the good news of Jesus Christ that we would be the good catch within the nets. Glory again be to the Lord. And yet this also implies that all of us are included in the scope of kingdom rule. Whether we believe the Savior or not, we are all affected by the rule of Jesus Christ. He sends the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He makes the sun shine upon believer and unbeliever alike. In Him all things hold together across the globe. So I simply remind you that since we are part of a broad scope of Christ's rule, we have the responsibility to respond in obedience to His rule as loyal kingdom subjects joined to Him by faith. But notice again, there is this certain separation that will occur. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. You know, fishermen might occasionally allow a trash fish to slip through the basket, into the basket when he is sorting out what is in the dragnet. But the angels will not have that difficulty, for they will be seeing the hearts of men. And the criteria here will be the righteous 
who are all those whose hearts have been purified by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the wicked, though they may have heard the gospel, have not received it. Jesus continues by affirmation that there is a certain end. That the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is Christ's explanation of the parable of the net, just as he did in the parable of the weeds. Now, if one thinks that this picture is horrid, it is right. How can our language fully express what it means to meet only God's judgment and wrath, not knowing His tender mercy and kindness? Now notice, as we think about exalting Christ, the disciples had just listened to seven parables in Matthew 13. Some appear to be simple and easy to grasp with little explanation. In other parables, as this one, Christ gives explanation so that we do not miss the point. So Jesus asked the question in verse 51. I know that's one verse beyond our scope. But have you understand, understood all these things? And they simply say, yes. The parables of the kingdom offer gospel nuggets that explain what it means to be a true believer and how Christ continues between the righteous, distinguishes between the righteous and the wicked. The intention is to call all of us to pause and take a good look at our spiritual condition. Has gospel seed been planted in the soil of your heart? Has it produced gospel fruits? Has the gospel so worked in your life that it can be distinguishable as a child of the King as people look at you? I ask myself, do I value Jesus Christ and the gospel more than all the world? You know, we can hear these quaint little stories involving common scenes in ancient Galilee, yet fail to find the value in them by not understanding and hearing what they mean. Remember the first two men. They sell all that they have to buy the field and they buy the pearl. So again, do you know Christ as your own personal treasure? Do you yield to Him as your first and reigning priority? I pray so, for Jesus is worth it. We are called to respond with joy to the gospel in His kingdom. Think about it. With Jesus Christ. Having Him, knowing Him, enjoying the forgiveness that He can provide. Having our consciences cleared and clean through His blood. Being adopted into His family. Being changed into His likeness from one degree of glory to another. Being guided in all our confusions, confusions, comforted in all our sorrows. Rebuked in all our wonderings. Persevering through all of our dangers. Being brought safely home at last. Indeed, Jesus Christ is exalted. Whom have I in heaven but You, O Lord? There is nothing on earth that I desire beside You. My flesh and my heart may fail, but You, Lord Jesus Christ, You are the strength of my heart. You are my portion forever. You are my treasure. 
O family of God, hear Him calling. Come. Come to Me. Come trust in Me. I am treasure. I am treasure. I will satisfy your heart like no one else. Come to Me. Trust Me. Exalt Me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. We ask that You would help us to choose wisely. That we would choose the treasure, the one treasure, the one value treasure of Jesus Christ and His kingdom. And that we would to the glory of Your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.